Thanks for listening to this Word in Your Ear podcast. If you'd like to get early access to all our productions ad-free, priority booking for our live events, and to take part in our weekly quiz, go to patreon.com slash wordinyourear for more details. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. You're listening to a podcast from The Word. I was driving along behind a van uh, pulling a horse box, and on the back of it said, Caution Horses. Yeah. Caution Horses is, of course, the name of the fourth album by the Cowboy Junkies. And it just struck me that loads of bands must have had ideas for either album titles or songs by just being on the tour bus, spending interminable hours going from town to town, just staring out the window. Well, the Three Johns... um pro-union, uh, pro-picketing song was called Do Not Cross the Line and I thought, I'm afraid, because I thought, what a fantastic you know, Do Not Cross the Line, and then I realised Oh, this is a traffic related thing. Well, it's actually when you go to a train station, there's all these signs, oh, signs the line. Oh, yeah. Do Not Cross the Do Line It's like the famous uh, Boomtown Rats Rat Trap, Walk, Don't Walk Walk, Don't Walk, which is what which, it says on that's, American, a, that's a genuinely good one, I think, so Walk, Don't Walk American, yeah. uh, Pelican Light We're slippery when wet, but Bon Jovi <laughs> I don't want to discuss. No. Listen, somebody wrote a song called Objects in the Mirror Are Closer Than They Appear. I think that'll be Mr. No, yeah. Loaf. I think it's Mr. Loaf. It's, it's Objects which in is, the Rearview Mirror Are Closer Than They Appear. Which is printed, isn't it, on a, on yeah. a safety message? On well, a, the, when you, when a, you buy a car, it's the little sticker yes. that you have to peel off. Yeah. There's an Arctic Monkeys song, though, isn't there, called something like Do Not Engage While... Oh, well, in gear or Yeah, yeah, which is yeah. the little sign you see in the back of a cab or whatever. But when you say caution horses, how is that punctuated? Well, it's not is it caution, comma, horses? Caution horses, but obviously... Because caution horses, horses, now you've been a very naughty horse, <laughs> isn't it? And that's, that, yeah. I think, is very inspiring. First and final. <laughs> yeah, <morning>. you're fine. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> you're on a yellow card. Are yeah. we recording? Yeah. All oh, right. Okay. This is the Word Podcast. I'm David Hepworth. I'm joined by Mark Ellen. I'm Mark Ellen, and I'm joined by Matt Hall. Matt. I'm Matt Hall, and I'm glad to be here. And you've got to go back to David Hepworth. We can keep oh, this up for hours. David. <laughs> this is David Hepworth. Um, I've, uh, I've got certain things to, to follow up from, uh, from previous weeks. Uh, and I was going to say, the thing I've learned this week is I have to retract. And I'm, I'm not afraid to retract. Some of the things I say on this podcast. Pretty soon, our podcast is just going to be kind of just full of retraction. Just <laughs> we just like to retract everything we said last this week. week the, the retraction. That's right. Yeah. We're really sorry about everything we've ever said. <laughs> A couple of weeks ago, we were talking about how Brian Eno has been 
promising every act he worked with that doo-wop was about to come back, yes? Yeah. And I've now found out through listening to a little bit of uh, NPR from the States via speechification.com, which is a really good place to keep up with old bits of speech radio, that Brian Eno does an impassioned speech in favour of public singing. He says it's a hugely important social thing to do. If he had his way, it'd be reintroduced in schools, you know, they'd do a, two hours of it a day or whatever. It's really important to people. Oh, very interesting. And uh, but public singing where? I well, mean, any, anywhere, you know, the public, public singing probably like you and I did when we went to school, you know, assembly yeah. or music classes or whatever. Guide me over Great Redeemer, that kind of thing. Or a uh, Those in peril on the deep. <laughs> men of Harlock. Um, <laughs> uh, but <laughs> anyway... <laughs> he doesn't just talk about this. He also, every Tuesday night when in London, he yeah. has a gathering at his house of up to 15 people come round, uh, lays out the alcoholic see. drinks and nipples on a table, they all stand round a table, and then they all sing wow. for a couple of hours. That is a fantastic... How can I get invited... And then, Brian, if you're listening at the unlikely yeah. event to our podcast, firstly, we're very sorry about whatever we've said no, well, we in the past and everything. But secondly, please ask me to your do. Doesn't that sound like a good sing. idea? And, uh, and well. I'll, I'll post on the website the link to him talking about this on, on National Public Radio in the States, uh, you know, about the kind of tunes that work best and what he thinks is so important and therapeutic about, about this whole thing. Didn't somebody in the city of London when the city of London was booming. <laughs> uh, a few years ago, he used to do lunchtime uh, opera chorus meetings where people who worked in offices, sat at screens all day long, could go somewhere in a hall at lunchtime and be taught to, you know, sing the chorus of the Hebrew slaves or whatever. Yeah. Um, be, whether you knew anything about singing or not, just on the, idea, on the basis that it was really good for you to do it, like doing exercise of any kind, you know. But don't you prove it? I mean, I can remember going to Irish pubs in the, I suppose, 1970s, 1980s, and you were, you know, people would get up and sing. And you were expected to get up and sing. I can yes. remember getting up and singing. The only Irish songs I knew, which were probably kind of Star of the County Down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which I first heard on a record by the Chieftains and Van Morrison. And, uh, you know, you, you were expecting, and, and you'd felt no real embarrassment about it, because all you were doing was putting a little bit back. Because they've entertained you. I think that's perfectly It's fair. really interesting, isn't it, how all this has been... Driven out by rock and roll, isn't yeah. it? Because yeah. <laughs> you know, rock and roll, although it purports to be kind of you know communal and about the shared feeling, is actually immensely selfish in the way people practice it, isn't it? Well, it's immensely selfish, and also you get the impression that it requires a huge amount of kind of um, treatment and, and noise and effects around it in order to operate at all. Um, you know, which is just a huge amount of bombast, and you know what I mean. And uh, the whole idea that you can entertain people without all that by simply standing up on yes. your own hind legs and singing a, a simple little Irish tune, they're a bit lost. Have we, we all done organised country dancing? Have we at some time or another in our in our lives? No, I'd rather die. You know, really? Yes. Well, I'm sorry, Matt. <laughs> I'm, I'm, we're going to have to organise. I don't think I am. Oh, yes, you don't mean Morris dancing, do you? No, I don't. Morris dancing. You mean, I think we did a VH1's Christmas party. Do you mean line that dancing? That was good. It was line dancing. Morris dancing is, 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 is specialist, isn't it? You know, it's kind of performance. Morris dancing. No, I'm talking about yeah, line dancing or Irish country dancing. Uh, I went to a friend's wedding. I was Irish, and. Uh, 
and they got in a band and they flew a caller in from the United States because it's oh, such my. a specialised business that you need people who are really good at it and lined everybody up and basically t- took about an hour telling you what you were going to do. What kind of a world is it? you then did it for ten minutes and I've, I've never had such fun in my life. But Dave, what kind of a world is it where you have to bring in a caller from the United States? Oh, the, Irish, Irish the Irish diaspora, you know, there's an Irish caller who works mainly in... Oh, you know, right. When we were in... I was, on holiday in, I was on holiday in Ireland earlier this year, and fa- fantastically and thankfully, it coincided while I, while I was there with the, the Rose of Tralee, which is this international, um, basically, beauty contest. Uh, for the, famously spoofed by Father Ted, by the lovely girls. Oh, yes. oh, and, yeah, um, yeah. And, and literally, they had roses, and the, the, most, the prettiest um, girl from each, of, each country, each... Uh, Irish diaspora. So they had ones from kind of um, yes, Zimbabwe. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> they would. They they, would. And, and they all came on. And it, and it ran two, de- two nights, prime time. Wall to wall roses. On the equivalent of BBC now you, you One. Know, you know about island life, Mark, don't you? You know, because you go and visit Sark. But, you know, I, I, I visit Colonsay in, yeah. the, in, the, in the Western Isles of Scotland. And there are only two forms of entertainment every week on Collinsay. There is a quiz in the pub on Thursday. And then every other week, there is a Cayley in the church hall. And it's the only thing to do. So everybody who's staying on the island or lives on the island just goes. And so we said, we've got to go. And we took along our son, who at that time was, you know, 15 years old or whatever. And, uh, you know... 15-year-old boy is not a natural for, for a Cayley at all. You know, a 15-year-old boy takes a lot of convincing to go anywhere. Uh, but uh, there we were in the church hall, and he was sitting in the corner, and oh, where can we go and all. The next time I turned around, he was engaged in an eight-some reel. Eight-some reel, too. Well, it's out of Carrickfergus in the back. Yeah. No, not Carrickfergus. No, yeah. It's a bit more spirited than um, Because it's sort of, you just have to do it. And the smile of liberation on people's faces when they do that sort yeah. of thing, that they, they're, they're freed from the, you know, the, the kind of the need to stay cool or anything. So you're sure that's not a rictus grimace of embarrassment? Not at all. No, Matt. <laughs> Matt I think, oh, you are cynical. And I think, Matt, living where you live now, I think you should be counting the days <laughs> until somebody comes and knocks... Yeah. Have you not been invited to take part in the Christmas pantomime yet? <laughs> no. Yeah, really? All right. Are you not playing buttons at the parish hall? <laughs> <laughs> now, listen, oh, one, one... week only. <laughs> one week, one, one minute only. The Word, a magazine, a website, a podcast, a way of life. One of the things we were talking about last Minutes week was, uh, yeah. was we were speculating whether anybody had um, d- desired to have their ashes sprinkled at Glastonbury. <laughs> and following on from this, I got a communication via, uh, via, the, Facebook, uh, via the Facebook page, I think, uh, and I'm terribly sorry, I've forgotten who sent it, uh, but pointing out in the year 2003... Did you follow this, man? Yeah, yeah. Somebody did this at Crop Ready, right? The, oh, Fair, really? the Fairport Convention annual reunion, Crop Ready in Oxfordshire. And, um, and there was a chap called Colin Lennox, who was a big fan of the Bin Years, yeah. and sadly died. Uh, and he wanted his ashes to be sprinkled on the, the festival ground or whatever. Yeah. And so these were uh, taken by a friend in, in a tin. Coffee tin or whatever. However, these things are normally conveyed. It's a pewter mug. Yeah, go on. Um, uh, uh, In a bag. And and they were talking to one of the artists. 
who said, I don't suppose you'd take it on stage, would you? <laughs> so this guy goes on stage. He's got a bag. He's got a guitar or whatever. He's got a bag, and inside the bag is a jar. Inside the jar the is Colin. The remains of. Uh, Colin, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> dust to dust. And, um, and he does his set, and he doesn't refer to the bag, but he says, you know, I'd just like to dedicate this to an old friend who couldn't be here, Colin Lennox, you know. Which is actually inaccurate. <laughs> Could be, <laughs> absolutely. Exactly. <laughs> the whole point, and we'll be there forever. In like, the totally misunderstood in the monitors. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, so he does his set, applause, goes off, forgets the well, bag. Well, leaves. Oh, God, this is appalling. <laughs> so, the people are going, oi, oi. So next he's, act, he's next act, act goes on, starts the thing, and then musicians are suddenly spotted coming back onto stage, you know, desperately looking around, you know, picking up monitors or whatever, looking behind things, trying to find Colin. Well, surely that's a savage indictment of the security. Of it's, I think sh- it's, they should have checked to see if Colin had the right wrist tags, and if they hadn't, he should have taken him straight off stage. Colin should never be allowed on the first. Place. Only a couple of the right laminates. But there's something rather uh, appropriate uh, if you apply a little Morton's humour to it. The idea that. Uh, Crop really, the, the, you know, the kind of the, the, the festival of the, the re- revival of 16th century folk that somebody in <laughs> the tub of ashes yeah. has been, <laughs> been lost backstage. That's superb. So, Mark, you won a prize this week. We did. The, the Word magazine won a prize. We were quite excited about that. She was, you know, in these uh, days of credit crunch and stuff. Uh, Matt, Matt, it's very nice to get any recognition. No, we did. Actually, I went along to this event. Record was it, of the was day. Recognition crunch. Record of the day, yes. Esteemed uh, music portal, etc. Run a, an organisation uh, subscribed to by um, uh, music PR, uh, the music PR industry and publications. And uh, yeah, there's big awards to do every year. Actually, I thought, to be honest, that we might get an award for uh, the, the Word that, podcast. This is the thing that the, yeah. that the Word won last year. We music won last year. year. But so I, I'd two thought, years running, we're talking. Well, yeah, yeah. But Third thought, year, you get to keep it. I would have thought. Get to keep it exactly. I thought we'd got a, a, a chance to win the, the podcast. So, um, I, you know, I was like, I only realised, I didn't know, we were shortlisted actually, but sure enough, we were shortlisted for the Word podcast, up against various other people, including the Guardian Music podcast, I think, who, uh, who, who won. Yes, uh, please, let's all have a hollow laugh. I, I'll say one, two, three. Oh, yes, and, uh, I think they're very good at it. Oh, right. Actually, I've never heard them. You see, I've never heard them. Let's just, let's just ask. deserve to win. Are they better than us? Let's just ask. Are they better than us? Let's just ask. Let's just ask. Has anybody listened to it? I don't know, I haven't listened to it. But Do you remember? You know, I haven't listened to this either, so... <laughs> no, no. Do you remember? So I'm going to have to interrupt this to tell yeah. an ancient story. Is it, is Dame it, Dame it full, have I got to do full disclosure here? <laughs> Dame Edna yeah. Everidge, uh, on the first, an audience with Dame Edna Everidge on ITV years ago, when he generally had a celebrity stacked audience. Oh, yeah. And one of the people there was Melvin Bragg. And Dame Edna said... Little Melvin. There's Little Melvin. <laughs> There's Little Melvin. He's written so many books... Has anybody read them? Not a single thing. It was the most withering thing I've ever read. Mrs. Melvin. <laughs> anyway, so. I think it's worse to say has anyone ever finished one? Some of them cruel. But anyway, we don't win this, which is a shame because I prepared the most impossibly surprised and modest speech. <laughs> It, uh, it's actually a bit of a classic. And I'm so sorry David Hepworth can't be here with us tonight, etc. Um, but on his behalf, blah, blah, blah. I, I, you know, I, I was actually blinking a little bit just thinking about it. Uh, anyway, I didn't get Matt to, to deliver this speech because we didn't win. But anyway, later in the evening they had uh, Music Magazine of the Year, lots of um, 
tremendously well-known high-ranking titles, many of which I actually used to work for in the past. But they didn't win. Uh, no, seconds later, myself, uh, MD Jerry Perkins and... Uh, Kate Mossman, reviews editor of this parish, leap on stage. Mossman a bit upset she's seen the pictures and thinks she's got hobbit hair. She thinks she, her hair looks like a hobbit. Judge from the, um, yeah. dear God, judge if, from the yeah, comments I'm on gonna, the website. If Kate's I, I hate my hair. I look like a hobbit. I've I think if Kate's worrying about photo approval, we're all in trouble. We're all in trouble. <laughs> But anyway, the comments on the website, I don't think anybody else had a problem with it. <laughs> <laughs> I've not seen that. But anyway, yes, somebody's cut out our heads. Uh, we appear, uh, the picture was published on the website. Somebody's cut out our heads and put us into the bodies of dancing elves. Little elves. Which I haven't seen yet because I can't bring myself to look at it. I must thank the person who did this. But is, it, is it okay? I'm not sure. Absolutely. Well, you can find this and other delights at wordmagazine.co.uk. Yeah. Mark said to me the following day, I'm really sorry the podcast didn't win. And I know, <laughs> I know it's standard operating procedure with awards that when you don't win them they don't matter and when you do win them they're the most important things in the world but I genuinely not that I think that this should stop anybody giving us any award that they want to I don't care but podcast awards seem the most irrelevant of all awards because and I've got a serious point here podcasts are listened to by people who listen to your podcast and they're like I think recruiting people to listening to your to listen to your podcast is sort of like bear with me Matt it's sort of like acquiring friends. Right. And so having a, a competition for what is the best podcast is like having a competition for what's the best football team. The best football team is, you know, it's either whoever wins the premiership or it's whoever you happen to support, isn't it? Yeah. You don't go out and choose. You don't stop supporting Spurs because, you know... There's another football team, do you? And that's sort of no, how podcasts work. Might be quite a good point, People don't go and sample podcasts. They don't go and, you don't go and try them, really. Not very often. You know, I, I so you're either in the deep end or you're not really. You're, I thought. think you are. The thing that struck me is that if I, if I was on a judging panel, let's say I didn't listen to podcasts and I was on a judging panel and I said, please listen to eight podcasts. I mean, I think one of my first reactions would be if I didn't listen to podcasts and didn't understand the point of them, I'd think, this is very, very bad radio. This is very slapdash. <laughs> Amateur, which I'm proud know. to say it is. Which I'm exactly. And, and, and hello, that's the point. <laughs> I, I think you'll find that's the point. It's not polished <laughs> editing. But the point is, you know, it's just. But also, the point is the regularity. The point is the yeah. frequency. Yeah, it's you a don't continuing to, story. Isn't you know, this is two or three. I mean, like occasionally, you know, we get feedback on the on the website or on the Facebook saying that was really good, or that one wasn't quite so good. And I sort of think, well, that's very nice for you to feedback however you want, but it sort of doesn't make any difference. You don't go to the pub and have a conversation on Friday night and think, do you know that was the best Friday night <laughs> conversation we've had in ages? I thought Andrew was a little bit shaky at first, but he came good. You no, know, I don't it, agree with it you. It doesn't happen like no, that. No, I don't agree with you. Quite well, you mark no, your pub. If the conversation on Friday night isn't very good, then you've got to do better. We've got to change the lineup for next Friday. Oh, okay. <laughs> so I do think you have a little chalkboard inside your front door? Inside my front door. Five pub yes, conversations. you know, <laughs> what, finished the issue, went to Filthy McNasty's Danwell Street, Rob Fitzpatrick, seven, Kate Mossman, Six, Andrew Harrison, nine. He does, you do, to be fair, yeah, Mark yeah. does that. Because no, 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 conversation no. Is, is a competitive activity with Mark Keller. It is, isn't it? It's very hard for anyone to get uh, any, uh, any, a word in. That's <laughs> what you're going to say. It certainly is. My father used to discuss my mother, his mother in law's uh, use of yoga as the only person who played yoga as a competitive sport. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> 
I'm That's sure. very good. So the, the double award-winning word now, as it's going to be called. Yes, it was the second year running. And, uh, Which and is wonderful, because one of the worst uh, professional moments of my career, I'm haunted by, of course, as you know, is being put up for Writer of the Year in the National Awards. Was it the PPA or the BSME? You write. Right, I know, that's great. Well, thank you, Dave. I do occasionally write articles. Well, apparently, they must be good enough for me to be voted for in the national you know, campaign. And the, they said, and the winner of this event is, for the second year running, A.A. Gill. And I'm haunted by this because not only did you not win, but the guy that gave it to you last year was, you know, the guy who won it the, the year before. <laughs> Catastrophic. The Word. A magazine, a website, a podcast, a way of life. Now, our history of being confused with each other. Um, I, uh, yesterday I was being I was confused to, for each other. Sorry, not okay. with, well, okay, with each other is applicable as well. Okay, yes, <laughs> just being confused. I do a thing at City University yesterday involving the masters course and journalism or whatever, and uh, and I'm introduced by the person taking the the thing. David Hepworth, you know, oh, done all these things, you know. I felt like a, I felt like a historical figure. I felt like I died, you know. And uh, and and then and then they do something, and, and she wants me to interact. And she turns to me, and goes, "So, Mark, <laughs> <laughs> he was leaving there." <laughs> that is fantastic. <laughs> I like to feel I took it well, anyway. That's so the new issue of uh, the double award-winning uh, word is out now. It, I think it's, it's actually probably, yeah, what I'm today is, but now. it's out if on you, the Thursday. The, if the you're fourth. wise enough to subscribe, you'll have had it since the weekend. Yeah, it's a And uh, there's a special offer. No, if you're having your mail currently redirected by Royal Mail, you won't. Oh, well, okay. Well, if you will have that, you know, bad judgment to move to the fans from, uh, you know, uh, Walthamstow, you must expect that. Um... And you're not too late to get in there now and buy a special subscription offer, one for you and one for a friend, for a present. And so, details of that uh, are on the YouTube of £50 pounds for two, uh, isn't it? God. Something ludicrously <laughs> generous. Something incredible. I think it's something like £25 pound uh, each or something. Two subscriptions, £50. Pounds, uh, page 44 of the current issue, or look on the website, wordmagazine.co.uk. And the way this works is... You get a subscription for a, for a friend. You're supplied with a card that you can give to the friend so the friend knows that they've got the subscription coming and they know it's from you. So it doesn't just arrive out of nowhere. <laughs> People think... Who's uh, sending uh, yes, this? Yes, absolutely. Please take me off <laughs> your mailing list. gift. Yeah. Never been insulted in my life. Yeah, yeah. Is there anything else you want to say about the... Um no, no, it's a terrific issue, um, full of good stuff. <laughs> right. Yeah, very okay, good. Okay, fine. A magazine, a website, a podcast... The word. So, what have we learnt this week? I learnt about Brian Eno and the and the singing. What did oh, you right. learn? I learnt that John Stowe, who was the London's first historian, has a uh, monument to him, terracotta, put up by his wife in St Andrew's Undershaft, in the city of London. Um, Is that the name of the church? Yeah. St Andrew's Undershaft. Yeah. Well, apparently, it's because. They used to have a maypole out there outside the front of it. What a wonderful name. So that name. was the shaft. So that's St Andrew's Undershaft. And the terracotta St Andrew Undershaft. Sounds like you might be the bass player for Jethro Tull. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> One of the mothers of yeah, the Jeffrey Jeffrey Hammond Hammond on piano. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sir Andrew Undershaft. But they have a terracotta monument erected by his wife yeah. in this church. And it's a, it's a, it's a de desk with him looking out and into the church. And because it's terracotta, it's 3D. And every year they put a quill in his hand. To encourage other writers. Oh, that's so fantastic. How brilliant is that? That, I, that is very brilliant, is the answer. <laughs> On the brilliance scale, that's up in the 11s, I think. I quite like that's it. That's superb. 
What did you learn this week? I learned, well, I learned, uh, Dave and I went out for lunch on, on Friday with a very old pal of ours who we used to work with at the, the, the Smash Hits back in the 80s, who's now lead singer of the group Pet Shop Boys. Right. The lieutenant is an old pal. We go out, is there know, no the on the Pet Shop Boys? Uh, there's no the. No, no. They're just Pet Shop Boys. Yeah. And uh, we went out, and out of the many thoroughly entertaining things that he uh, divulged, one was uh, he told me he, he, he's working on a new record. In fact, he's also been working on Girls Aloud records, written a song for them, um, down uh, with a company called Xenomania. And it was just so fascinating. One of the ways that these guys encourage you to compose is that they present you with um, a list of potential song titles. I mean, you know, 98% of them could be absolutely... You know, redundant and and, uh, and and worthless. But the whole idea is is to is to try and spark some, you know, just, just get the creative process rolling. And I'm really really interested in that because I mean, I'm not obviously a songwriter, but I do, um, you know, I do write articles. And one has, if anyone who listening is a uh, writes, they will have developed some ruses for just keeping themselves moving. You know, it, it's you know, you, you you'll you'll go for a walk around the block, or you'll eat a tangerine, or some little routine that you'll do, or you'll just you know, you'll, you'll mix up the three paragraphs you're stuck with and put them in different orders. You know, there are ways that you can get over kind of uh, creative blocks. And that really interests me because, you know, and Brian Eno, we were talking about earlier, Brian Eno has a, a, a sort of clinic, really, I think, when he works with various bands where he tries to get them to think about music differently and compose differently. And in fact, Neil Finn, in uh, an issue of Word recently, was talking about how they were trying to compose and they decided they would all swap instruments, you know, for a day. And they all had to go and play instruments they couldn't really play and try and compose songs on, on you know, him playing the drums or whatever, you know. And that somehow just broke through the uh, the blockage and, and helped him think. But I love that idea that, you know, you were just presented with a load of song titles to which you attach a song. Because most people think it's the other way around, isn't it? You yeah, know? yeah, yeah. You have this overarching theory that you must illustrate with this yeah. peerless lyric. But often it's just a kind of random thing. It's a phrase that sounds good. I mean, look at Morrissey or John Lennon. Look at the songs they wrote, which is this wonderful phrase. In fact, many Morrissey songs, and no disrespect to the old boy, would like to hear from him through any uh, official channels. Uh, <laughs> many of his songs are actually better titles than they are songs. Definitely. <laughs> definitely. Girlfriend in a Coma is a, is a fantastic title. Shoplifters of the world, you know. Exactly, but, but you don't really need to hear the song. We hate it when our friends become successful. That's a fantastic, you know, it's like a vicar in a tutu. You know, don't need to hear the song. Get off got, the stage. Exactly, superb. You're quite right, actually. I can remember the thrill when I was a teenager and the melody maker would publish the track titles of the new Rolling Stones record a few weeks before it came out. Just, just sit trying to imagine what that song would be like, and read yeah. those track tra- title: "Mother's Little Helper," yeah. "High and Dry," "Flight 505." You think, "Stupid girl!" You just think, you "Just think." That sounds so exciting. And then the next, <laughs> next really exciting. It's really interesting point, actually. Can you judge? Uh, Morrissey aside, can you very often judge the quality of things by the track titles? Steely Dan albums always have fantastic track titles. You know, the Boston Rack, Band Sneakers, yeah. Haitian Divorce. They all suggested Body that, that you were being taken somewhere and that it was set somewhere different. Whereas I heard the new Bruce Springsteen single the other day. And What's I it called? Say, I don't think it's very good. I've forgotten already. Uh, and I looked at the track titles of the new album and I was not excited. What sort of things? I mean, is it sort of... I, um, well, I don't know. It's just... It's, it's been like this for the last few albums. I don't know. Lonesome Day or whatever. I'm kind of... Yeah. You know, I'm a bit bored. The Rising. Yeah, The, the Rising. Yeah. I'm a bit bored. Whereas somebody tells you... The Enormous American calls. car with powerful engine. <laughs> Big fits on the back. <laughs> I haven't got 
that one. Whereas if somebody, <laughs> somebody tells you a song's called Thunder Road, or yeah. Adam Raised a Cane, or Racing in the Street, somehow, I don't know why, maybe it's hindsight. I don't think it is. I completely agree. I always you, thought, I always thought that Haitian Divorce was one of the greatest song titles. Because how much more drama can you pack into two words? Yes. It's somewhere exciting, and something bad has happened. <laughs> <laughs> And Steely Dan are going to tell you about it. Also, I mean, like, a, what the hell's wrong been, with that? They've just got mystique, haven't they? The Fez. Yeah. That's a Steely Dan tune. Barry Town. Yeah. Any major dude will tell you. Somebody has thought about that. You know, it isn't... They haven't just written the song and then go, oh, what are we going to call it? They, they've started with they've a They've started thought. with a they've hard-hitting st- And Yeah, yeah, they, exactly. they want to construct something out of that. Uh, further to last week's discussion of you, Kalelis and whether I'm going to get one for Christmas. Charlie Connell is being in touch from Dublin, uh, giving me advice as to which uke to buy. I misread misread this bit of the email, and I thought it was Charlie Caroli that had been giving (laughs) you which which, which advice to buy. I know, he's still working. Uh, and he advised against buying the Flying V things because it says they're very kind of non-new, you know, the <laughs> Flying V, obviously. Uh, but anyway, he's in Dublin and, uh, and he takes part in a ukulele players workshop in Dublin regularly. And a couple of weeks ago we had Britain's top ukulele player, who's apparently called Stephen Sprout, over giving a workshop. And guess, guess which song he handed out for us to work on that we were discussing last week? Can you imagine this on the ukulele? Mark Allen can go home tonight and practice this on his ukulele. It is, go on, are you going to guess? No. Leonard Cohen's Alleluia. Uh. <laughs> now imagine that on, on the, the uke. On the uke. Oh, my Lord. So it can be done, apparently, Mark. I would have thought so. Yes, I suppose that's not too bad. You know, so you can, you can go you can go and try and, uh, that. arrangement. There's uh, one thing I just wanted to talk about. The... Um, the one subject people keep returning to on the, on the Word website, wordmagazine.co.uk, it happens absolutely every time anybody goes to a gig. Uh, you know, Leonard Cohen was a kind of classic case recently, which is people come away saying, well, it was really good and the act was really good. But! And what's the thing that comes after the but, Matt? Would it have, would it have anything to do with conversation? Dave? It would certainly have something to do with the fact that you know, what started as an occasional murmur of conversation at any gig has now turned into a, a hubbub through which it's almost impossible to hear the act if there are anything quieter than Metallica. Yes? Did this happen to you at Leonard Cohen then? Because people it, could have been talking at Leonard Cohen. I, it, no, but, but in my... A capital offence. <laughs> no, but I think there are other people who found differently, you know, because it depends where you're sitting, doesn't it? It depends if you're unlucky enough to be... You only need one talker to be in your section for, for your evening to be, to be ruined. Anyway, well, I you, That's the point, though. You never just get one talker, do you? Because the t- they're, <laughs> they're not just themselves. talking into the air. Yeah. just on the phone. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that would be really annoying. <laughs> now, we talked about this in the past on the podcast, and I think we've probably come to the conclusion that the reason this is, that this happens, is because going to gigs has become one of those social rites of passage, like going to a restaurant or the cinema or whatever. People sort of think that they have to do it. And they think, well, I talk at football matches or whatever. Therefore, I'll talk at this. Uh, they don't sort of respect the conventions of the occasion. I've got a solution, Matt. And this is my solution. Hang Inspired by, obviously, <laughs> capital punishment, roadside gibbets. Gibbets outside. Gibbets outside. Angry lynch mobs. Shepherd's Bush Green, I'm sure. Yeah, it would be. Drag them out and string them up. Yeah, they Fall- talked. Falling yeah. people home and then... Yeah, they talked. Swinging guitar. Swinging 
talk. They won't do that again. (laughs) Exactly. Um, No, this is my solution. Inspired by Fraser's experience of joining the England Football Club supporters group, right? Why? Well, to get priority tickets. Why? (laughs) They're doing quite well. You're talking about anyway. and Fraser, when he goes, he has to choose whether he's going to be in the singing section or the non-singing section. No, really, that's actually And I thought if Wembley... I know which one Brian Eno's Stadium. <laughs> yeah. If Wembley Stadium can think about this, why can't Wembley Arena or Hammersmith Polo or whatever? So this is what we do, OK? We introduce segregated seating right. at rock gigs. Right. So we go, you know, if you want to talk, there's a place at the back. Yep. Where people can just swap banter. Absolutely. There's a place outside the venue. It's well, called, no, it's called no, the you bar. Can go right it's back. called the bar. That's right. <laughs> you won't disturb any of the people who just want to listen. The pub you go right the road. to the back because the hubbub taking place at the back wouldn't bother you at all. Yeah. It's when it's in front of you or alongside you yeah. or in the row immediately behind you. Yeah? yeah. And then this led me to thinking there are other groups that could be that might yeah, usefully be put in their own section. And I don't know if you suggested this, Matt, or somebody did. Blokes who put their girlfriends on their shoulders. <laughs> yes? So they can be moved to one section that's just, you know, one section where, where everybody's like twice as high as everybody else. Yeah. yeah? Does that still really go? I mean, I think... Oh, yes. Are you sure? Because yes. surely the girlfriend would be just peppered with beer cans Yeah, but it's or, only certain you know, sorts of gigs. I mean, let's be fair. Yeah. It's not, you know... It doesn't happen to Leonard Cohen, does no, it? But basically, no. before you go to the venue, you've got to make your decision. As to where, as, as what you're yeah. likely so, so, to do. So let's get this straight. When you call the ticket line, yes, you, you, want, you, want, you want the person on the other end of the line going, um, are you really excited about this gig <laughs> and have you got everything they've ever done? No, or can you control yeah. yourself? Are you just really exactly. coming for a social event? Yes, well, yeah. Are you really not that. that bothered? There is that. S- Sir, are you, are you likely to utter a- any of the, the next expressions? You go in the whooping section. Well, whooping is different from yeehaw. It's a yeehaw. So, okay, yeehaw yeah, next door, but and they're not. Section. You can't whoop in the yeehaw one, vice versa. Okay, that's, no, fair, that's fair. Yeehaw that's section fair. Mar- marked by a picture of a donkey. A huge donkey with a cowboy <laughs> the cowboy hat. cowboy hat over there for the yeehaw. <laughs> <laughs> for the yeehaw. But, um, but uh, I also think that they should. Um, and, and I know they do have this section, and it's called the VIP section, but people who get the tickets for free should what? go into a separate section. Industry scum, and that only kind of happens. Well, you in... think they're worse behaved? Like, generally, well, they don't turn up. Which will be empty well, anyway, yeah. no matter. That's, that's the thing. But same. if they do get there, they've not spent their money on the ticket. That It is a chattering kind of... It's an opportunity to, like, meet, catch up with other industry folk. Oh, matter. well, you see, I get loads of free tickets, but I never dream of doing Of that. going. <laughs> I go, and when I go, I blooming concentrate, and I wouldn't dream of having a conversation. Snogging couples. Oh, canoodling, you see, a special see, canoodling I'm... section. I can't deal with that. No, I People know. snogging. No. Tap them on the shoulder. Excuse me. Try to, try to watch the group. Get a room. Yes, get a room. Get a room. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you see, I think... There's, I there's think... a day's in just over the road. <laughs> 30 quid. Does it by the hour. It's really what good. about texting? Texting section? Because you notice... I'll tell you one thing I did notice at Atlantic Cohen. In the section I was in, where people were you know, well-behaved. Blue faces. Blue faces. Blue faces. They turn their Go damn phone all the time. And then they're taking useless pictures that you will <laughs> never wish to look at again. Uh, and then, and on then, a mobile phone. And then phone. texting them to all their friends who couldn't attend yeah, the concert, God. you know. I saw... I saw compound s- their misery. I saw somebody at Atlantic Cohen. I saw more than one person at Atlantic Cohen taking a picture of the Diamond Vision screen image... Do you, oh, gonna Do you think that's no, going to come out? Sorry? Do you think that's going to come out? No, I think it will come out really well, but what the hell's the point? You may as well go home and take a picture of your television screen. 
You know, this is this is a picture I took of the TV picture that was transmitted within the venue but isn't when it, I went to the show. Isn't that indicative of a uh, contemporary malaise that one feels one has not experienced something unless one has recorded it in you know, some I way? Always, I always feel this at um, my God. You have whenever to... I'm watching football matches on the TV, yeah, and there's just constant the flash of flashbulbs. And it's the same thing. It's going to look really rubbish because you've not got a good enough camera to no, take a picture of somebody 30, 30 yards away. But also, you're there to watch the match. Yes. And you're not watching the match. You're, you're looking yeah. through a little viewfinder and taking photographs. Yeah, yeah. it should be... One know, of my son's friends came in the other day and, and instead of saying, oh, I saw something extraordinary in the high road, a car crashed into a bollard or something like that. She had photographed this thing and just said, look what I saw in the high road, which has replaced conversation, hasn't it? When, when I were a lad, Dave, you had to learn to express yourself. Uh, it didn't, you know, have a great deal of effect on me, obviously, but there we are. That's a really good point, actually. Really? Do your children ever... No, have I made a really good point? You're kidding. I'll mark it out Not a time. No. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I'm just trying to process this in my head. My, my kids, I don't know if your kids are the same, don't come home and tell stories. I come home and tell nothing but stories. You know, things I saw on the bus or some, something that somebody said. Absolutely. Which you constantly, all my experience, it's partly being, doing so much writing or whatever, you're, you're turning things into a narrative all the time. Completely. Yeah, but they're not telling stories because you're their dad. They're not telling stories to you. See, I would argue whether they tell stories to each other. No, I don't expect them to come home and regale me with... <laughs> this will kill you. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, just the idea of turning something into a narrative. The word. On a, a very sad note, we should mention uh, that uh, the death of Rob Partridge, who, you know, some people who listen to the podcast may well have, have known. Um, Rob was uh, a PR uh, for um, Island Records and then subsequently as... Uh, as an independent PR for all sorts of people like Tom Waits. Uh, and before starting in Ireland, he was a journalist on The Melody Maker and um, died last week. He'd been ill for quite a while. And you used to go to the football with him, Mark. I did. Well, he supported uh, Queen's Park Rangers. So I used to see him uh, in, the, in the Crown and Scepter on Saturdays with his gang. He's an absolutely fantastic fellow, I have to say, and has been ill for a long time. It's no great shock to anybody. In fact, it was in his own office, I think, on the Friday. I think I heard that he'd... Uh, Passed away on the Wednesday morning, so he was right up until the very end, still you know working away. But what a you know what an absolutely tremendous fellow, and also I'm immensely personally grateful to him because he once offered me a job. I'll never tell you this, God, I did. 1979, I was working for New Musical Express, and the acts that I was writing about were I didn't I mean there was no connection at all. They just all seemed to be on Island Records. I adored <laughs> Island Records. You I, just fancied Kate thingy out. Of I can't. I fancied Kate. Kate Pearson out of the um, out of the uh, no Cindy Wilson. Sorry, the B fifty two. That's right, French Schneider, whichever. And uh, the B fifty two. So I'd just been on the road with the B fifty twos, and I was constantly writing about Bob Marley and the Whalers, who I absolutely adored, and also um, can't remember Steel Pulse. I think they were on Ireland, and various other acts. And Rob then took me aside, and he played me a record by Marion Faithful called Broken English, which was going to come out in about three months' time. And said, uh, "What do you think of this record?" I can remember being rather overpowered by it because it was incredibly, incredibly rude. Actually, there was a lot of uh, disgraceful uh, lyrical suggestion in it. And I'm a vicar's son, though. <laughs> <laughs> and he said, "Would you? Like, I'm offering you a job. Your job would be to do press for this girl 
for B-52s, steel pole, Bob Marley and the Whalers. You're good. And, and I said, Rob, I, I'm, I'm going to turn this down because I'm really going to have a, a little bit of a go at this whole writing thing. <laughs> And he reminded me that I was basically writing two live reviews for New Music Express a week. Rob was right. <laughs> and, yeah, and he turned out that he was actually was absolutely right. I should have admitted this to him. So I've plugged away uselessly. I was just, it's a, a broken English, Marianne Faithful. Yes. Uh, I remember going to interview Marianne Faithful at Island Records in an interview that Rob had set up. And Marianne Faithful has had well-publicised, you know... Was she, was she well at the time? Drugs issues. <laughs> Certainly did at that time, no doubt, completely past it now. Uh, and, and Rob had set her up in an interview room, and I went in there. And I don't know what actual capacity is, but if you, if you were getting a huge party at home, and you needed just a, a vat of red wine, <laughs> I don't know, you could buy like a three-litre bottle or something like that. Jeroboam. A Jeroboam. <laughs> Of cheap red wine, uh, screw top, whatever. Had, it was about two o'clock in the afternoon. Had been placed in front of La Faithful, <laughs> so that she could, you know, so that she could she get through the afternoon. One off early. Rob knew. <laughs> that's how you. That's how you had to deal with people. That's like how you that. get her attention. Yeah. <laughs> so old school, sadly missed. Yeah. This podcast was brought to you by the Word. Details at wordmagazine.co.uk. catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. 